Welcome to the SF Weekly Podcast. I'm Nick Veronin, your editor in exile. Kevin, drummer of a filament parson, the best East Bay prog rock high school band you've never heard of, Hume, is on vacation. I'm keeping things super brief because, well, to be honest, I've got hot toddies to drink. As I record this segment, Christmas is just about a week away, and I'm banking content so that you, our loyal listeners, will have fresh podcast episodes to listen to as you lament the fact that after that first, I'll just have one, spiked eggnog, you immediately forgot how much worse a hangover can be when it is compounded by your lactose intolerance. As we eye the new year and you consider whether a little hair of the dog might be just what the doctor ordered, you may want to consider the idea of going California sober in 2021. Cannabis, after all, is far easier on the body than booze. In that spirit, this week on the podcast, Veronica Irwin speaks with Wayne Justman, the world's first licensed cannabis consumer. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Veronica Irwin, freelance contributor for SF Weekly. This week, I am here with the one, the only, Wayne Justman. Wayne Justman has been a leader in the fight for safe, equitable, and legal cannabis access right here in San Francisco for over 40 years. If you've read my cannabis content, I have talked a little bit about how San Francisco has been a hub of cannabis activism for a really long time. Most famous, perhaps, is the activism that followed the HIV-AIDS crisis in the 1980s when people began fighting for medical cannabis because it helped people cope with some of the chronic pain associated with the disease, as well as some of the side effects from medications like nausea. Wayne was here for all of that activism. He knew Brownie Mary, he was good friends with Dennis Perrone, he was one of the leading advocates for Prop 215, which legalized medical cannabis here in California in 1996. He ran one of the first Prop 215 dispensaries, and of course, there's what we're going to talk about today. Wayne was the first licensed medical cannabis patient in the world. Um, Wayne is is genuinely a legend, and I feel very lucky to have him on the show this week. (laughs) How's it going, Wayne? Good afternoon, Veronica. Very, very fine. It's so very nice to uh, welcome you back into my home. And please also, too, for our listening audience, we are very, very much aware of the pandemic out here. Uh, The room that we are in, the apartment, is well ventilated. We've used masks. We are maintaining social distancing. So we have a very responsible conversation that's going on uh, not to challenge anything that we don't need to be aware of. Right. I do want to say that at the top of the call. Um, obviously, it can be a little bit nerve wracking to hear two people in person in a room during a pandemic. But I personally have quarantined for 11 days. I've only seen one person out of social distance in the last 14 days. So great precautions have been taken to make this a safe interaction. And my, my friends don't go anywhere. <laughs> Just, That's me neither. I'm the lamest 23-year-old they, in America. They don't go anywhere. And I probably am around maybe five or six people I was counting in the last month other than someone in a market or on the street or on a bus. That's all, I, that's all I'm near. And they're boring as hell. We only medicate. <laughs> <laughs> all we do is sit at home and smoke weed. That's all we do. Exciting yeah, lives over here. <laughs> 
Um, but that being said, I mean, we, we joke, but Wayne is, is legitimately a legend. And we're going to talk a little bit about how he became the first licensed medical card holder as he lights up his dab and as I light up my joint. So just to kind of start, how did things work prior to there ever being medical cannabis cards? There was, there was nothing. Before 215, if you wanted to have access to cannabis, you'd go to the park, you'd go to the street, or you'd have someone that you knew and provided cannabis for you. That's how you got cannabis. And when I got here to San Francisco in 87, uh, that, that, you know, well, go to Dolores Park if you want to get it or somewhere here on Market Street. Well, wait a minute. Some people are not all that willing to jeopardize their physical or mental or social well-being to go into an area to uh, get cannabis. And uh, uh, that, that was certainly an issue. And then, of course, what was hopeful, though, is that uh, Dennis Perone had uh, opened uh, the Island Bar on 16th and Sanchez, where people could go. It was like a large apartment and sit and, and medicate and you, you could get access. And that's where that hub was. Where can I go to get cannabis? That, that, that was ground zero for that. But again, there was no card that was necessary. People knew one another. Most of the people were men, and most of the people had AIDS uh, during those times. Uh, and you knew one there was nothing for them. There's not, oh, you need a doctor's recommendation. You need something from the city. Do you need some? No. You had, what your need was, you needed cannabis. So did the medical recommendations that you get from a doctor, did that start with Prop 215? Yes. Or did that start further down the road? Okay. 215, it was written in. To Proposition 215, seriously ill Californians, that's how it starts, seriously ill Californians, with a doctor's oral or written recommendation or approval, okay? Oral recommendation or approval. So that's when the, that's when the doctors started to come in and get involved in recommending and or approving cannabis for people. Now, please understand something. The word prescription was never used. You do not get a prescription for cannabis. There is no prescription for cannabis. It's not that kind of medicine that, well, we're going to prescribe it for you because it does not come out of Western medicine. Okay. Okay. But it is an, it's, it's written oral or written recommendation and approval from a doctor. That's the words in 215. Okay. And so that's where the doctors came into existence in their recommendations. So that's pretty loose as well, like oral or written recommendation. Why did you think making a medical card was necessary? You have to give credibility to what we were doing at that time. People didn't understand cannabis at that time. They knew about marijuana and its history. Oh, you smoke marijuana and you're a dopehead and you you slouch and you're not successful at anything of this nature. So we had that. And then on the other side of the coin, we had AIDS. Well, no one wanted to recognize AIDS. Mm-hmm. Oh, we had a president and his wife had never even said the word AIDS. Right. Never, And no one wanted to respond to that stuff. So, you know, that's being pushed back and 
course, cannabis is being pushed back. And, and so those of us that are, wait a minute, that are affected by the virus, that are affected by being uh, gay or lesbian, what are we going to do out here? Mm-hmm. What what do we have to do? And the thing of it is, we, we need to protect ourselves. We have to give ourselves credibility. Mm-hmm. The federal government was all over everybody's butt to close the dispensaries, to harm farmers. And also, too, you mentioned about the doctors and their written recommendation. How many doctors had their license pulled and hassled by the state medical society for writing for writing uh, doctor or for writing recommendations? called pot doctors. So now you understand where the doctors came in and the role that they played. Yeah. I always thought that was just an an opportunity to another opportunity along the chain of command to make money. Like that's all I thought the cannabis doctors were about. I didn't realize it's that some people are not allowed to give that recommendation. they, They were there because nobody else would be. Interesting. Yeah. 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 They were, they had their own studies. I mean, practices, Many of these very successful doctors had but family practices, but they also included people who needed the recommendation or approval for cannabis. And a lot of these people understand, again, we don't have a lot of doctors at, at, at Kaiser or Sutter who uh, know anything about the endocannabinoid system. They're not taught in, in, their, in their schools mm-hmm. about these things. We have some doctors that are familiar with it. That's why they do understand the cannabis plant and how it can be helpful in the treatment for some medical conditions and, and illnesses. Mm-hmm. So the card gave all of this just kind of more of a sense of legitimacy. Did it give any sense of like protection as well, like protecting medical patients? Was that part <clears throat> Each of, it of these at all? dispensaries, I remember at 1444 Market Street, we had a placement bureau, <clears throat> bureau same thing at 194 Church Street. <clears throat> What we did is, in, in those days, they, they came in with their doctor's rec- uh, uh, recommendation. This is before 215, but, you know, what are you using this for? And you get a doctor's recommendation that you're using it. Okay. Um, and, and so um, we, we had access to that, and, and uh, people were aware of these responsibilities with these doctors and, and what they wanted to do. But then also, too— uh, we had three or four dispensaries at that time. Act Up had a dispensary on Market Street. Uh, if you remember that group, Act Up. Uh, Dennis had one. There was another one called Flower Therapy. There were about four or five at that particular time. And each of them had their own card. But what the card was for, more here, let, I'm going to gain entry because I've been here before. Okay. That's what this was for. I'm going to gain entry because <clears throat> you, you didn't, I, I couldn't take, one card and go to another dispensary, uh, it wasn't in those days operating that we could uh, be reciprocal with one another. <clears throat> so that, that that was the issue. And 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 so that's what happened with these cards. And then uh, Proposition 215 came about, and now we've got a little bit to deal with the uh, doctor's recommendations, but we see in, in, in uh, 60, uh, 96, 7, and 8, doctors are getting hassled because they're writing not, not just pot doctors, but doctors that have uh, regular family practices are getting hassled. And so, hey, we've got to give something to protection. And that's where that idea, and then when I had my own, when I started my own dispensary at 350 Divisadero, that was the question I had. What are we going to do? What, are we going to open up a placement bureau and, and have these things, et cetera, et cetera, and do the same thing we did at 1444, which was right. I'm not saying that we were wrong. Are we going to do that? 
And then what, Wayne's Pot Shop? Is that what we're going to call it? <laughs> no, you understand that? And, and, and so um, the district attorney at that time, Terrence Hallinan, was a very good friend of mine. And we had a meeting. A number of us who were in the, had a meeting at Terrence's office at the Hall of Justice. And in that conversation, I brought up Terrence. I said, you know, I got a dispensary here. And I said, uh, are we going to go through the placement and, and the like? And what are we going to do with these doctors and protecting the doctors and protecting the patients? And he said, and I said, can the city do something about it? And he said, Wayne, he said, go see Mark Leno. Mark at that time was on the board of supervisors, as was Gavin Newsom, as was Tom Amiano. These were good people. Go see them and see what can be worked out. So I went to uh, Mark Leno um, and uh, uh, first of all, worked his his aides. Bob Hartnagel was a great aide for him and all. Okay. You had to explain to the aides what the hell you want to do before you, you know, I'm in for myself. Let you guys know what we want to do with the supervisor to help understand how we can get this done. Because who am I calling in the morning when I call, hey, this Wayne, you know, you're not going to call Mark right away or get a hold of him. Mm-hmm. So they have to understand what you're trying to do. Anyway, right. so uh, we understood what they were trying to do. And of course, we got a hold of Mark and said, hey, listen, what we want to do is the Department of Public Health to issue identification cards for ca- people who use cannabis. We'll make sure that each person that comes in has a doctor's recommendation for for this. You don't have to do anything as far as anything, but be like a clearinghouse. But what's important is you put on top the uh, um, City of San Francisco Department of Public Health. We needed to give a bite, mm-hmm. a bite of some sort to those of us that use cannabis. Again, right. Wayne's Pot Shop was not going to do it. But if I get if I get if I get stopped by law enforcement, and I show them a card from the Department of Public Health. And my photo's on this, and there's some things here, and they said, "Whoa, wait a minute! This mm-hmm. this man has a right to possess or cultivate cannabis." Uh, before we get too far excited, and that's what happened. Once mm-hmm. these cards started to come out, law enforcement started to realize, "Whoa, wait a whoa, wait a minute! Now we have credibility. The Department of Public Health of our city and county of San Francisco has issued this person mm-hmm. a card that looks like this." And so we have to understand that they have a right to possess and, can- and cultivate cannabis. That backed up law enforcement. And that was the one thing that we saw right away that was helpful for people who had that card. And you ended up with the first card because you had push- pushed for this legislation? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, there, was some, there was some pushback at that time. You're crazy. I don't want to get my picture taken. I don't want to be on any kind of roll. I don't want to have more information. We had that information then. And I said, no, it's not going to be that way. There's only going to be a photo on the front of it. There's no personal information at all that, that's inclusive on that. Once the, cannab- once, the, once the card is issued, all the paperwork is returned to the patient. So besides my getting that card that particular day, I get all my paperwork back. And it's not recorded anywhere. And okay. so anyway, I said, well, gee, I said, the only way that can, you know, just like it's going on wrong, who's going to be the first to get the uh, vaccine shot? Well, okay, let, I'm, I'm pushing this. I said, there's, I feel credible about it. I want to be, uh, let me go in there. And as I was telling you, uh, if you're in, if you're there and uh, sit in the, 
public health building. Uh, there are benches outside these offices, et cetera, et cetera. So I got it about 10 minutes to nine and I heard the door open and I click, 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 leather shoe on, on, on thing. And I look up and it was Mark Leno. And I, Mark, what are you doing? He says, well, I wanted to see if anybody was going to show up and I wanted to see what the process was. So Mark Leno and I went through the process together. So he saw <laughs> a, he saw a patient getting it. So I had the opportunity. Here's what it was like, everybody. And, and, and Mark was here with me. And what more credibility can you ask at right. that time than overcoming that? And then it became a pretty successful thing. I was going to say, can I look at it really oh, quick? Oh, please, please, sure. I was going to say, I'm looking at it on, on Wayne's shelf right now. I have a picture of it oh, on my okay. phone. Um, and it just says, yeah, City and County of San Francisco, Department of Public Health. It has a photo of Wayne, but it does. It just says patient in blue. And then it says medical cannabis voluntary identification card program. It has the card number. It has the issue date and has the expiration date. And then, of course... Wayne wrote 215 as in prop 215 in hash. Just in case. In the frame. Just, <laughs> no, just in case. No, you got to understand. Just in case you never run out. And I, I'll never run out. You never run out of hash because no, he has some no. in the frame. I'll never of run his out. his medical license. Thank you. <laughs> I'll never run out. I love it. So all that being said, I mean, obviously, the world of cannabis and cannabis legislation has changed a lot since that card was issued in July of 2000, I believe right. it says. Right. Um, we have Prop 64. Uh -huh. Now, if you're over the age of 21, you don't, don't need, need a license or right. a card or recommendation. They call it recreational cannabis. Thinking a little bit more broadly, obviously, cards at the time that you got a card, Prop 215 and all the advocacy about that was about bringing protection and equity for medical patients, for people of different backgrounds, so everybody could have equitable, open access to cannabis. Is licensing still like the way to go about that now? I, I think about, you know, fast forward to 2020, seems like the licensing gets tied up in a lot of bureaucracy. I, you hear a lot of complaints about licensing or just how complicated it is. Like, I is just, that yeah, still I, the I, I, I'm, uh, I'm puzzled by all of the... Uh rules and regulations that this plant has generated. I think it's an overkill on rules and regulations. I just, 15 minutes ago, I had a friend of mine who just finished an inspection for a distribution site. And there are a couple of problems that, uh, minor problems that they have to uh, take care of. And I was at that site yesterday, looking at the blueprints and looking at security issues and other things that uh, the dispensary operators uh, uh, are, are, are aware of and what they have to do. Um, I think in the state of California, didn't I hear about over three dozen laws that include the word cannabis to it in, in, in our state? And I'm thinking to myself, this is a plant, everybody. This, this is a plant. And unfortunately, in my lifetime, we're not going to be able to get that thought across to the sufficient amount of folks that we're talking about a plant that has medical value to it. Because the opposition, whatever that opposition, still exists to this day that we're going to really make this 
a difficult road to travel on the, quote, legitimizing cannabis. You're, you're regulating it, over-regulating it. And you're hurting the farmer. You're hurting the dispensary operator. You're hurting the distributor. You're hurting the cities, et cetera. You're hurting the state because people are not getting, quote, enough tax monies, et cetera. Everybody's hurt. Well, on that note, um, that's probably a pretty good place to end our interview. As you light up that dab, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you like to smoke? That's a question I like to ask all of my guests on the podcast. You're gonna, you're, I'm going to dab right here, and I'll be right with you. you ask me <laughs> what I like to smoke, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, while he dabs, <laughs> um, the joint that we've been smoking is King's Garden Jack Herrera. Um, I was saying that this is probably the fifth or sixth jar that I've bought of this stuff. It is a really, really good Jack Herrera grow. Wayne actually knew Jack, Jack Herrera. Oh, very much so. Matter of fact, unfortunately, Jack spent about three hours. He came over to 194 Church Street uh, before he went up north to speak up in Portland. And that was the last time I saw him when, when he passed away up there. Uh, but uh, I knew Jack before he had a stroke because I met him at Dennis's in the early 90s. Then, of course, Jack had a stroke and he was still able to communicate and all, mm-hmm. and we'd, we'd get around and all. And I was fortunate to, to, to know Jack and, of course, with, with Brownie Mary. These are, the, and, and Pebbles, these are some real institutional people that, that, that had a voice and used it in a proper manner for this plant. And I just, <clears throat> like I said, uh, for a country boy uh, to uh, have been here and, and to work with Jack and Dennis and Mary and, and them, I'm, I'm fortunate we've got things done. And I'm really fortunate for that. We, we, we've got things done. And all the rest of us who have been smoking weed this entire pandemic are indebted to Wayne and all of those people. So I think that's a good place for us to end. Thank you so much for listening to us today, though. And thank you for being with me. Hey, listen, my pleasure. And also to everybody, have the blessed holidays as you can. And um, uh, you don't have to love one another, but care for one another. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's edition of the SF Weekly Podcast. The episode was produced by me, Nick Veronin. Our engineer is Mike Huguenor. SF Weekly Cannabis contributor Veronica Irwin produced her own segment on Wayne Justin. For more hot takes, deep dives, and alternative views on San Francisco news, subscribe to our podcast through Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Follow us on SoundCloud and check out our website, sfweekly.com. See you next week. We'll be right back.